edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. I am your host, Dan Mater. Very happy to be here. Very excited to get started. I got to give a big thank you first and foremost to Errol Marks for bringing me on the Worldwide Sports Network and also a big thank you to Mike Brown of Belly Up Sports for those two working together to bring this partnership in. And that's a big reason why I am here and on the air right now. And very excited to be here. We got a big show for you guys up today. Of course, is the fantasy football show. So we're going to be talking about everything fantasy football related injuries, analysis. We're going to try to help you win your weeks, help you go on your way to win your championship. And we're heading into week three. And we had a bloody Sunday on week two. I coined the phrase a uh, red Sunday from Game of Thrones. Uh, on social media, which you can follow me at Belly Up MDFF Show on social media. It's also where you can contact me for the mailbag segment. I'm there for you 24-7 to help you guys out with your lineups. Any questions that you possibly may have. And that's a big thing of what we're about this on the show. It's not just this show that we want to help you out. I want to be able to help you out anywhere you need me any time of day. So that's what I'm all about here. Uh, so like I said, we're going to be going over the early week matchups. Thursday night football, we got the one o'clock hour as I'm on the East Coast is what you usually call it. But depending on what time zone you're in, the early window of games heading into week three, heading in for Sunday. So we're going to talk about all that, the injury news and where I have these guys ranked at, which you can always check out on bellyupfantasysports.com to be able to help you figure out what your values for your players that particular week ought to be. So let's go ahead and get started. Because we have the Thursday night game. We got Miami. We got Jacksonville. And I know on paper, this doesn't look like a great matchup. But for fantasy football purposes, there's a lot of implications in this matchup. We'll start off with the Dolphins side of the ball. Ryan Fitzpatrick's a stream-worthy quarterback this week. I got it coming in. I got him a QB 14. A little bit higher than I'll ever be on Ryan Fitzpatrick. But coming off the game that he just had against Buffalo, where he played a clean game. I think that was probably the most surprising aspect of Ryan Fitzpatrick's game on Sunday was that he played a clean game. No interceptions against a really good defense. Over 300 yards, had two touchdowns. I don't see why he can't put up a similar performance against Jacksonville, who's not nearly as talented in the secondary, this particular week. Devontae Parker is back. He's healthy. He's good to go. Preston Williams is there. Isaiah Ford might miss this game. That is the one wide receiver. That's the one injury on the Dolphins side of the ball that looks to be he's not going to be able to play in this matchup. But that just means more targets for Preston Williams. Mean more, more targets for Devontae Parker. It also means more targets for Mike Kosicki. And if you've never listened to the MD's Fantasy Football Show before, you'll know that I'm not a big fan. He is a gifted athlete. He has talent. But as far as being an actual football player, I have a lot of question marks. I have a lot of question marks when it comes to the blocking. I have a lot of question marks for a guy who has that much athletic ability, why he does not grade better in separation on routes, why he doesn't grade better on yards after the catch. 
for a guy who's supposed to be a dominant athlete. So I have a hard time with Mike Gesicki, but having said all that, he comes in at why a tight end 10 for me this week because of the matchup. Like I said, no Isaiah Ford, extra targets going around for Mike Gesicki, extra targets for Devontae Parker, extra targets for Preston Williams, and a game that honestly should turn into a shootout. Miles Gaskin is going to lead the way for the running back position, and I'll talk about him real quick. I don't want to start Miles Gaskin. I don't want to start a Dolphins running back period right now with the three-man carousel that they have going on and the fact that it's never going to be that involved in this Chan Gailey system. But he is the running back to own. He is the guy that if you, this pass waiver wire, you picked him up, you stashed him, it's a good move because he had seven targets last week. So he gives you the floor of he's involved in the passing game. Why he's more involved than Matt Breida, I do not know. Matt Breida is much more talented in almost every capacity of the game. But for whatever reason, Miles Gaskin's playing ahead of him. They split the carries, but Gaskin's the one who got the receptions last week. And I, unfortunately, don't think that's going to change in tonight's game. So Gaskin's the guy to own. I have him at RB27. But I am not wanting to play him if I can avoid it. Now, I should have let off with this, and I didn't. But when we talk about the rankings, I talk about them from a half-point PPR standpoint. That is the fantasy standard, fantasy industry standard on what the majority of people out there are playing. But, of course, we have full-point PPR rankings. We have standard rankings. So that way we encompass everybody who's playing fantasy football, no matter what scoring format you're in. Again, Belly Up Fantasy Sports. Dot com, go to the little rank, weekly rankings tab, Dan Mater, right there. I got everything up there for you. So I don't really want to play Miles Gaskin if I can help it. But Parker, I'm all about. Parker's coming in as a mid-level wide receiver two at wide receiver 16 for me on the week. We all know what he can do. He did not suffer an aggravation of the hamstring last Sunday, which was the big concern, right? But he's good to go. So as long as that's going to be the case, I expect him to be the number one target. In a plus matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, he should be in your lineups starting without a doubt about it. You can't start Preston Williams yet. He's had a little bit of a rough start to the season. But like I said, with that, no Isaiah Ford, if you're playing DFS tonight, Preston Williams might be a little bit sleeper, might be a little sleeper for you uh, that you can go ahead and plug and play for a cheap price and really might be in line for a surprising amount of workload. Now let's flip it on the other side. Let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's go to the Minshew Madness, the Magic Stash versus the Magic Beard. But the Magic Stash, I think, is the better play. Gardner Minshew comes in, regrettably for me, at QB12, because I'm not a Minshew fan overall. I am not a fan of these guys who have an average skill set, but maybe because they do have that it factor. They play above their heads. They play as guys who are just, they find a way to overachieve. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick's made a career out of that, and Gardner Minshew, I feel like, is following kind of in his footsteps. He's definitely ruining the plans of the Jaguars to tank for Trevor Lawrence. There's absolutely no doubt about that because being a competitive one-on-one team was not in the game plan for this Jacksonville team. But nonetheless, for your fantasy football teams, you're looking for a streamer at quarterback. He's a guy who's widely available, way less than 50% owned on average throughout the major fantasy football platform. So he should be there for you guys. And I got him at QB 12. 
There's going to be no Byron Jones on the Dolphins secondary tonight. He has been doing a great job of spreading the ball around. And again, like I said, I think we're going to see a shootout tonight. I think we're going to see two mediocre teams be able to move the ball up and down the field against one another. He's had, what, six touchdowns in two games now? So he's a safe streamer to go with, especially in a week where there's some question marks for some quarterbacks about what weapons are they going to have? Or there's some tougher matchups this week than we've had the first two weeks too for some of the top edge guys. He's a guy that should have a safe floor. James Robinson coming on, making a name for himself last week, last two weeks really, but last week goes over 100 yards. It's his backfield. I thought it was kind of funny to myself. You look at you know ESPN, you look at Yahoo, and you look at their projections. And what you wind up seeing is that they actually have Chris Thompson, when you're talking about half point and full point PPR leagues, they have Chris Thompson projected a pretty high clip. Now, he did get the receiving touchdown, but he has not had the role that I expected him to have, which was the main passing down role. That has not been the case. This is James Robinson's backfield, and you know what? He's looked pretty good. He's shown decent vision. He's shown the ability to bounce off of tackles when bursting through the line of scrimmage. And at the very least, he's a guy that you know he's going to get the goal line work. Jay Gruden loves to be able to run the football because he wants to be able to play, play action off of it. So he's going to keep giving the ball. And when he has one guy to give the ball to, you're pretty much guaranteed 18, maybe possibly even 20 carries a game. James Robinson is well on his way to being the pickup of the year for fantasy football purposes, without a doubt. Everyone looks for that guy, that guy no one drafted. That guy that came out of nowhere, you picked him up, and he wound up being a big reason why you won the championship. That is looking like it's going to be James Robinson this year. And I've had to recognize that, and I put him up the RB16 for this week. You're not worried about the Dolphins. He gets 18 carries against the Dolphins tonight. There's a very good chance he's getting over the century mark with a touchdown. Now, the wide receiver group of the Jaguars is where things get a little bit interesting for fantasy football purposes. DJ Chark... Is going to be a game-time decision. The last report on him, though, is that he is actually trending in the right direction. So that's the good news. You should have DJ Chark, and if you have him, he's a must-play. In fact, even with the limited amount of practice time this week, even with the injury, as long as he plays, I am putting him inside my top 10 this week. With no Byron Jones, Xavier Howard has not played up to snuff or up to his level that we're used to seeing him play at in years past. And I know DJ Chark has not been the one getting the targets lately. It's been Keelan Cole. But Chark, this is a game in which Chark goes off. This is a game in which he establishes himself as number one. First of all, he only needs one play to take it to the house and be the big winner on the fantasy week. We know Minshew likes to go to him. If this game gets close, if it gets high scoring towards the end, I expect DJ Chark to get a few more extra targets than he did the past couple of weeks. And remember last week, even though he only had four targets, he still had four catches for 84 yards. He still led the team in receiving yards, even off of a smaller workload, because that's the type of wide receiver that he is. What do we just see the Stefan Diggs do? Now, I'm not saying DJ Chark's going to go eight catches for 156 yards in this game. But what I am saying that the century mark is something that very well should be within the range of outcomes along with a touchdown. 
I think this is the game that we see DJ Chark break out for the 2020 season, and that's why I have him as wide receiver eight on the week. So I really like him. You got to play him in your lineups. Now, what do you do about, you know, Keelan Cole? What do you do about LaVisca Chenault, who are getting a lot more run, getting more used early on this season than even really I expected them to be? And my answer to that is, look, you have to stash Keelan Cole. If you... If you're going into this week and you have, you know, Devontae Adams or Julio Jones or Jamison Crowder, guys who may or may not play this week, A.J. Brown, and you have that extra bench spot because you have to send one of these guys at the IR, I don't necessarily want to play Cole in this match. I just don't trust it. I know the first two weeks he's caught a touchdown. I know he's playing the slot receiver role. I know he's seeing some good volume. It's Cole. Cole has burned fantasy owners so much in the past. It's hard to trust it. If you're desperate, it's a good matchup to play him. But here's what I will say. If he winds up having a good game today, which could be in the range of outcomes, then Keelan Cole is going to be somebody who's going to start entering that wide receiver three territory moving forward based on his role within this offense. LaVisca Chenault is somebody that I don't need to roster yet. But he's another guy. He's getting more involved in different aspects of the game, right? They gave him, I believe it was four or five carries last week. They are getting him involved in the passing game. D.D. Westbrook continues to be a healthy and active. He's just not involved. So that means Chenault is going to continue to be the wide receiver three when it comes to snaps because he's been playing ahead of Chris Conley when it comes to the snap count. So LaVisca Chenault is somebody who's getting involved in different ways. And I like his big playability. As he develops as a receiver, as this season goes on, he is somebody who might have some decent value for you come up those bye weeks. We're going to have more injuries. Hopefully, it's not as bad as this past Red Sunday. But we're going to have more of that. So he's somebody I'm keeping my eye on, but he's not somebody that I need to own right now, especially not for this matchup. And then you're not playing Tyler Eifert in this game. It's nice to see him out there. I'm glad he's healthy. He's had a hell of a time in his NFL career. But I am not going to play Tyler Eifert uh, really anytime I can, because there's a lot of streaming tight ends that you can turn to. You don't need a guy like Tyler Eifert, which is just a hope and a prayer that he falls into the end zone. So that pretty much wraps it up for the Thursday night game going into this one, the news and notes there. Let's take it off to our first Sunday matchup. Let's take it off to the Chicago Bears. Let's take it off to the Atlanta Falcons. We'll start on the Falcon side of the ball because Julio Jones did not practice yesterday. The comments out of Dan Quinn were not something to make you feel confident in moving forward. Saying that they, he re-aggravated it or at least aggravated the hamstring injury last week to some capacity. They're going to take it slow with him throughout the week. So he's probably not going to practice today either. If he's in a limited capacity, at least by Friday, you'll know he has a pretty good shot to play. But if he's not able to practice at all this week, I don't know if we see Julio Jones against the Chicago Bears. If he does play, you have to play him. He's still a top five wide receiver if he's out there on the field. And if you're like, well, what about last week where his box score would indicate to you that he was nothing more than a decoy? My response to that would be watch the game tape. I have game pass. I go back. I watch all these games so that way I can give you guys the best analysis of what actually happened in the game. And I'm not just basing all of my all my opinions, all of my analysis based on box scores for you, based on numbers. We take all of the variables here at the NBC Fantasy Football Show. We look at the numbers, but we also look at how the game flow is going, who's actually playing where. 
taking the actual context of the game. It's not just the game of numbers in fantasy football. Obviously, it's heavy on the numbers, but it's not just about the numbers. It's about being able to see what is not obvious in front of you. And what it's not obvious in front of you when it comes to Julio Jones is that had he caught that, I believe it was going to be a 45-yarder from Russell Gage. It was a beautiful pass, by the way. I didn't know Russell Gage could throw the ball like that. A beautiful trick play, a beautiful pass. Landed in both his hands. If he catches that ball, he has a much different stat line. People are feeling much differently about Julio Jones and what he can do on his hamstring. And that's just one play. One play that he normally makes, hurt or not. Now, he was laboring that game. There's no question about that. And I don't like the fact that he re-aggravated it. And if it's bad enough, frankly, even as a fantasy owner who has Julio Jones in a number of leagues, I would rather see him sit this week and get healthy, especially when it comes to these soft tissue injuries. Because you don't want to keep having to go through this every single week where it's like, did you re-aggravate it or did you not allow it to heal because you weren't resting? But at the same time, it's really hard to win your fantasy matchups if you don't have Julio Jones available in your lineups either. So if he plays, you got to play him. And we'll keep you up to date on that. If you follow me on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow, I have player news notifications coming out on a 24-7 basis to keep you guys updated, to keep you guys in line with what's going on in the league so that way you don't make mistakes, you don't play guys you shouldn't, or you have the edge over your opponents to be able to make that waiver move for that player who is going to be re- replacing them before your opponents do. Now, if Julio Jones doesn't play, Russell Gage is, a, is not only a must-pick-up-off-the-waiver wire, because I talked about him this past Tuesday in the waiver wire segment, he is still less than 50% owned on average. Not only is he a must-pick-up, but he's a must-play. Even if Julio's in the game, I still have him coming in as wide receiver 30. This passing attack is just, they're just going vertical. Dirk Cutter is making these guys stay vertical, stay down the field. And as long as that continues to be the case, the running backs, which we'll talk about Todd Gurley in a second, the running backs will not be as involved in the passing game as they normally were in Cutter's past. It will be all the wide receivers down the field. It will continue to be Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst in the middle getting what would have been some running back targets in their situation. Calvin Ridley's Calvin Ridley. We, we know you're starting Calvin Ridley. He's my wide receiver 11 on the week, and frankly, that might even be too low. Matt Ryan. He's our QB8, solid QB1. He's definitely a guy that you want to go with because of the passing attack, because they're so vertical, because they're so aggressive. Chicago doesn't have a secondary that scares you. They do have a front four that's going to give Todd Gurley all kinds of problems which will lead into will lead into that now now Gurley is somebody we have him as running back 23 in half point PPR leagues so we have him as an RB2 we have him that somebody who needs to be in your lineups because he can always get you a touchdown he's getting the work at the goal line this is an offense that scores a lot of points is a touchdown dependent yeah if he doesn't score he's going to look pretty no but it is somebody that you have to play he's getting what he got 21 carries last week There aren't too many running backs who are getting that many carries, that much of a workload. When you combine that with the fact that he's going to get the goal line work, he's somebody who is a low-end RB2, a high-end flex play for me. But I was so much bigger on Gurley coming into the season because when you look at Dirk Cutter's pass, when you look at the Falcons' pass, they involve the running backs in the passing game. And the biggest problem 
that I believe he had last year with the Rams wasn't just because the offense didn't look like itself, wasn't because of the offensive line looked like one of the worst offensive lines in football. The biggest reason was that he wasn't involved in the passing game. And I thought he would be in Atlanta. That hasn't been the case for two weeks. If that continues, if he's not involved there, then he's going to be a touchdown dependent low end RB two for the rest of the season. Now you got to stay with me. Once he gets past the Chicago bears, he has a really nice schedule from week four all the way up until their bye week in week nine. So I think you're going to have opportunities to sell high on Todd Gurley coming up because he has a lot of games in which he should look decent and which he should score a touchdown or two in those matchups. So if you have Todd Gurley, hold Pat, play him for a couple of weeks and maybe, maybe the week before his bye, maybe week eight, week seven, maybe you look to sell him off because he's going to have more value. This matchup, a little tougher. We'll see how healthy Hicks is. He did get a little bit banged up in last week's game. But if he's out there on the field, Chicago's not an easy team to run on for anybody, let alone an offensive line that's clearly still melding and a running back who's clearly plotting. But he needs to be in your lineups for now. Hayden Hurst, definitely always a top 10 tight end for us. It is a little annoying that he has to kind of go back and forth with Russell Gage as far as those targets go. But again, if there's no Julio Jones, he might get an uptick in that. And Chicago hasn't been great against the tight end so far. So Hayden Hurst, we're firing him up as a top five tight end this week. We like the prospects that he brings to the table. And he's, he's Austin Hooper. If Austin Hooper didn't score a touchdown, we were always happy with his production, with his fantasy line. No, not always. But he's a guy who's going to get more targets than your average tight end. Matt Ryan's going to start involving him in the red zone. Look, Calvin Ridley, he's got four touchdowns in two games. But most of it's been because he's been wide open. I don't know if I've ever seen a wide receiver, especially of his caliber, be not covered in the most important aspect of the field. That's what's been going on. So once that happens, once defenses wise up a little bit, then you're going to start to see Hurst get more involved in the end zone. I can't make any promises for Julio Jones. For whatever reason, when it gets to, when it gets to touchdown time, he's just allergic to the painted part of the field. I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's just how it's worked his entire career. It's maddening. It doesn't make any sense. But that pretty much, you just kind of have to accept that it is what it is at this point for Julio Jones when it comes to scoring. But Hayden Hurst is a top five guy. And if you're looking for kickers, Young Wei Koo, you know, definitely number one kicker to go ahead and play for this week. Probably should go back and mention that. Jacksonville Jaguars, that was a, a late move on their part. Josh Lambeau heads to the IR. He had some kind of hip injury. It's Brandon Wright who will be their kicker. So if you are somebody who had Josh Lambeau, you need to go ahead and drop him. I don't, not necessarily for Brandon Wright, but for whatever kicker is available on your waiver wire, that's probably the most kicker analysis you're ever going to get out of me for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. More and more leagues are playing without the kicker. It's not even becoming a thing. I still think it should be a thing in fantasy football. I like kickers. I like what they can do for your team. I do. I like kickers. I like guys who can kick you, you know, get from 40 yards, 50 yards away, tack on four or five points cheaply. I like being able to have that little addition. Makes it interesting. Makes it a little more fair, a little more volatile. I like it. I like the kicker thing, but it's going away. It is going away because it's an unpredictable position. And most people in fantasy football do not like playing with unpredictable things, even though everything about fantasy football, because everything about the NFL is unpredictable, which is why I like kickers because it's part of the game. 
Why are we taking things out going into fantasy football that are part of the game? Fantasy football is supposed to be a reflection of the NFL that we all know and love. Kickers are a part of that. So I don't know why we keep taking that away. That's just my kicker two cents. Next game up, Rams, Buffalo Bills. I mean, you're not, you're not playing Jared Goff. You're not going to stream him against this Buffalo Bills defense. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick had a decent game, but that game was weird all around. I mean, you had the lightning delay. Uh, they just a divisional opponent. I see the Bills playing much better in this game, especially in Buffalo, where the Rams have to travel from the, from the West Coast to the East Coast. So I don't see this being a situation like last week where Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to do his thing. Now, I have been impressed with the Rams offense and Sean McVay and his play calling. He looks like he's back to where he was two years ago. The problem with the Rams offense, and especially for Jared Goff, is that it's clear that their offense is lacking that deep threat weapon, that they don't, do not have Brandon Cooks, and they did not really replace his skill set and what it was that he brought to the table. So because of that, this is an offense that eventually teams are going to be able to figure out that they can squeeze and play up closer to the line of scrimmage. That's something I think Buffalo might do here. I'm not a big fan of Robert. Robert Woods is not a must-start for me this week. In fact, if I can help it, I'm going to sit him. He's going to be the one who's going to be matched up on Tredavious White more times than not. Cooper Cup's going to have the better matchup. Not a great matchup, but he's going to have the better matchup. And you have to figure it's only a matter of time before he gets involved in the red zone, right? Week one was a Robert Woods week. He got targeted. He had had the jet sweep for a touchdown. Week two, obviously, Tyler Higby week. Three touchdowns against the Philadelphia Eagles. That might be the biggest problem for Cooper Cup moving forward. It's not Robert Woods, it's Tyler Higby. Coming into the season, I was bigger on Cooper Cup because when it comes down to it, him and Robert Woods are going to have similar targets by the end of the year. The difference, normally speaking to this point, has been that Cooper Cup is the guy who's favored in the red zone for Jared Goff. But now if you're going to have Tyler Higby be involved, that's going to take away from some of the touchdown capacity of Cooper Cup. So his ceiling might not be quite as high as we were anticipating it being heading into this year. Now, unlike Robert Woods, though, heading into this matchup, Cooper Cup comes in as a wide receiver three for us on the week. So he's somebody who can start in that flex position, 31 to be exact, because he is going to have a little bit better matchup. And I do believe there's a chance that he finds the end zone this week. That's the thing about Jared Goff. I think he likes to get different guys involved. He likes to get all of his guys involved, but it's usually only one guy per week. It never seems to be able to be everybody. And in this match, because of tough defense, it's not going to be. So I do like Cooper Cup, but you need to temper your expectations instead of being the wide receiver two that you will normally expect him to be. He'll be more of a wide receiver three. But Robert Woods, I'd sit him. If you, if you have the ability to do so, you may not. But if you have the ability to do so, I'm sitting Robert Woods this week. I don't like the matchup with him and Tredavious White. You saw what happened last week when he was matched up on Darius Slay for most of the game. They just didn't go his way. It might be very similar to part of the game plan this week. Higby, I feel like you got to play Higby after last week. I don't know how you bench a tight end who had three touchdowns. He comes in right at number five for us on the week. And especially after you watched the game that Mike Kosicki had last week against Buffalo. You have no reason to think that the tight end is not a position that can take advantage of this Buffalo defense at the moment, at the, at the least. So Higby's somebody that we got to play. Number five for the week. Good, good chance for a touchdown again. 
might be the mismatch that the Rams need on the offensive side of the ball. Because the running game, at least for fantasy purposes, you're not playing anybody. If you have to play one, it's Malcolm Brown. Now, let me take you down on that one. I know last week, Daryl Henderson, he led the way in touches. And it seems like a lot of people who did not watch that game only checked the box score. All of a sudden questioned, like, well, wait a minute. Is Henderson now a big part of this? The answer to that is yes and no. And what I mean by that is he's part of the three-man rotation that Sean McVay has talked about all season long, all off-season long, that he was going to run. How many times did he say he wanted his backfield to reflect what Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers did as far as a committee and a hot-hand approach? He stayed true to that. Cam Akers may not miss this game. Cam Akers is day-to-day. There's actually a pretty decent chance that he's going to be able to suit up and play on Sunday. So you might have all three backs actually healthy. Because remember, week one, Darrell Henderson wasn't healthy. He was on the field. He was active. But he had not practiced that much leading up to that week because he was dealing with his own soft tissue injury. For Cam Akers, it's rib cartilage. But it sounds like he actually might play this week. So the only running back that I can even feasibly imagine playing was Malcolm Brown. And Malcolm Brown didn't get as many touches as Daryl Henderson last week because he dislocated his pinky, which they fixed. So he's good to go. He's already been practicing. He's fine. He's the guy that you can trust will have the goal line role. Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers, and even between the 20s, Malcolm Brown, who knows who's going to get the carries? Who knows who's going to be the guy who gets hot that day? But when they get in close... No matter what's going on in the game, as long as he's healthy and out there on the field, Malcolm Brown's the guy getting the carries the goal line. So that's why he's the only one that I am comfortable playing if I have to play a Rams running back. I don't want to if I can help it. He does come in as RB26 for us this week. There's a pretty good chance he falls into the red zone against the Buffalo Bills. If I can avoid it, though, I will, because that's, you're, you're hoping your touchdown dependency. You're hoping for a touchdown. So just kind of keep that in mind when you're when you're looking at this Rams backfield because a lot of people want to put a lot of value on it. Now, let's flip it over. Let's go to the Bills side of the ball. Obviously, you're playing Josh Allen. He's the number one quarterback through two weeks. It's a decent Rams defense, but even if Josh Allen doesn't have big passing numbers and he's not going to have 417 passing yards this game, put that out there right now. I don't think it should be a stretch for anybody's imagination. But we all know what he can do on the ground. We all know what he can do with his legs. And for fantasy football purposes, that's more valuable. We all know that, really, he's the goal line back. I mean, hell, he might even be the running back everywhere. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, they are not two guys have gotten many carries over the past couple of weeks. And even the workload that they have gotten, they've been splitting with each other. So I don't want to play a Bills running back because the real running back is Josh Allen. He's the guy who's going to run it in for a touchdown more likely than those two are. I mean, it's crazy. Buffalo Bills in a year have completely flipped what they do on offense. They're a pass-first team. After week one, that was my big question. Is this something that's going to continue? Because he threw the ball over 40 times in a game in which they were up by multiple scores for the majority of that game. Was it going to continue? Now, against the Dolphins, it wound up being a back-and-forth. It wound up being a high-scoring game but it was still never out of hand. They were still never trailing, and yet they still never really made an effort to commit to the run game, to commit to the running backs. This is a pass-first team now, plain and simple. With Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen and John Brown and Cole Beasley 
And maybe Dawson Knox, he's a little bit banged up. He didn't practice yesterday. We're going to have to wait to see what happens with him throughout the week. This, this is, hands down, without a doubt, a pass-first team. And Josh Allen's played really well. Now, I still question his accuracy, consistencies, when they actually play competent defenses. This will be their first real test, frankly, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. But if he's going to have all the volume... It's like throwing a bunch of darts at a dartboard. If you throw enough of them, one of them's going to hit the bullseye. And that's kind of how I look at it with Josh Allen. So he's going to be good. You got to play him as a QB1. Pretty much until further notice, frankly. Maybe the rest of the season. So as I talked about Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, again, if I can help it, I'm not playing them. Now, I am rostering them. I'm rostering Devin Singletary. I'm rostering Zach Moss because... The fact that they are getting double-digit touches between rushing and receiving. And if one of them were to go down, the other one would instantly become an RB2 because now all of a sudden, even if they are a pass-first team, that said running back should be looking at 16-plus touches a game. So I'm not going to drop these guys. But there are also people that need to just stay on your bench. There's not, they're not guys you're going to be able to start. Plain and simple. I don't, I don't think anybody would disagree with that at this point. Obviously, you're playing Stephon Diggs. A catches 156 yards. Absolutely, you're playing Stephon Diggs. If you can sell high on Stephon Diggs, I'm okay with that. That's probably was his best game of the year last week. I mean, there's not, like, again, there's not going to be too many games, if at all, the rest of this season that Josh Allen throws the ball 417 yards. And that might equate into Stephon Diggs just having his biggest game of the week this past Sunday as well. So if you can sell him high, Maybe a Julio Jones owner is panicking a little bit. Maybe Devontae Adams owner doesn't know what his status is definitely going to be for Sunday. And that's, that's the game we're going to talk about tomorrow. Maybe, you know, you got a number of guys here who may be panicking on certain receivers. Maybe somebody's panicking on Mike Evans because they know that when Chris Godwin's in there, he's the wide receiver one over Evans. These are all receivers I would probably rather have than Stephon Diggs. And after that game, there's a pretty good chance that you would be able to sell them high for that. So just kind of keep that in mind. Now, don't sell them for anything. That's not what I'm saying. If you can get an upper echelon player, then you do it. You don't just go ahead and sell him off for any Joe Schmo that someone's willing to trade you. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's one of the biggest mistakes that I see fantasy football owners make on a consistent basis is that someone tells you, Oh, you sell high on this guy and they sell him for anything. And like, well, you told me to sell high on like, yeah, I didn't tell you to sell high on for Keelan Cole. That's not what I told you to do. So just kind of keep that in mind when you're looking at these trades, but if you can make a move to upgrade your team, or maybe if you have a lot of wide receivers and you need a running back, because after this week we had a lot of running back injuries and maybe you weren't one of the guys who were able to get a Mike Davis, a Jerick McKinnon, uh, a Devonta Freeman, a Deion Lewis. Maybe you weren't able to get one of those guys and you're running back. Well, then again, a mid-level high-end RB2 or higher is what I would aim for for Stephon Diggs if you have strength at your wide receiver position. I'm, I'm not going to play John Brown this week if I can help it. I know he had that big game, but think about it. In that huge game that Josh Allen had, John Brown really wasn't involved. In fact, if he hadn't gotten that bomb touchdown at the end of the game, well, then John Brown would have been somebody that we've been super disappointed on. 
It was really came on one play on the last drive of that game is really where he made his fantasy statement. Now that that does mean two weeks in a row he's been he's been good. But it's going to be a little bit more hit and miss because he's not going to get the volume that Stephon Diggs is getting. Now, if they continue to throw the ball, hovering around that 40 pass attempt mark, there should be enough volume from him more times than not. But again, this is a pretty decent Ram secondary heading into this matchup. So if I have better options, I'm going to go better options because he's really more of a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four with big play potential but not something that I want to play if I can at all help it. So what we're going to do right now is that we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got the, we got the Washington Cleveland game, a few more games. That we're going to talk about more injuries, more fantasy analysis at the end of the show. We're going to have a mailbag segment for you guys. So make sure you stay tuned to all that. And we'll see you right after this three minute break for you. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. On the other side here, so we got Washington, we got Cleveland. We got more fantasy analysis for you. Again, one o'clock games. We're staying in the early window. Washington? Guess what? There's one player that I'm playing this week. And that's Terry McLaurin. And I probably should go without saying the fact that Terry McLaurin would definitely be in your lineups. He had a big game last week, seven catches, 125 yards, a touchdown. He is the target. He is the weapon. He is what Washington needs to be able to go to in order to move the football on a consistent basis, especially down the field. He's the only big play threat. I mean, besides him, Logan Thomas has been the guy who's been more consistently involved as far as target share goes. But he's a journeyman tight end. He's not a guy who's always going to be able to bring you value. He's a guy who's very touchdown dependent. And this isn't a great matchup against Cleveland for him. And there's a lot of really good streaming options at tight end this week. I mean, Logan Thomas is somebody who comes all the way down at tight end 22 for us. So I'm looking elsewhere. Now, why is Antonio Gibson not a must play? You can play him if you need to. Again, you're going to find yourselves in situations where you may not have better options. Antonio Gibson is going to be one of those guys where you may not have a better option, especially if you're the Christian McCaffrey owner, Saquon Barkley owner. Those are all possibilities. He falls. He's somebody who falls into a category of a not must start for me at RB25, more of a flex play. And the reason for that is Cleveland's actually been pretty good against the run game. Look at Baltimore week one. As much as Cleveland was manhandled by the Ravens, nobody in that backfield really went off. Even, even Lamar Jackson. Now, as a team, they had a good collective yardage total as a team because you had Lamar go for 40 yards. You had Ingram go for, I believe it was close to 40 yards. Dobbins had 22. So as a team, it wasn't bad. But no one individual really had a good game and remember that was the game where Mark Ingram actually I take that back Mark Ingram had 29 yards in in week one nobody in that game had an efficient day both J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram were under or at three yards of carry and then look at Joe Mixon now Joe Mixon had a little bit of a better game a little bit more efficient than either one of those did but he didn't have a big game against them either and he had a lot of volume He was also limited. He was also held in check. 
I think there's a chance here that this Browns defense might wind up being one of the top 10 run defenses in the NFL this season. That defensive line is playing really well. They're winning the point of attack. And last week, Antonio Gibson was the guy. Peyton Barber, after week one, he wasn't a thing in week two. He only had one carry. And he should be the guy moving forward. I mean, this Washington team is building for the future. They're not playing for this year, even though they're one-on-one at the time. So I expect to see Gibson get involved more and more as we move forward. The big thing with Gibson is him being involved in the passing game. So that's where he still becomes a flex play, depending on what other options you have. Because as that ramps up, and I expect it to ramp up even more this week than last week, he's going to have a nice little floor for you, especially when you're talking about half-point, full-point PPR leaks. So I like it for that for those purposes. As far as his upside, though, I don't think he's going to have an efficient rushing day. So that's why we kind of have him a little further down this week. That's why Terry McLaurin is my only must-start when we are talking about Washington. Now, on the Cleveland side of the ball, obviously, Chubb. Hunt. I know Washington's been pretty decent against the run in their own right as far as efficiency numbers go. I mean, Kenny Drake had a solid game, but it took him 22 carries to get to 80 yards. But this Cleveland team is built differently. Their running attack is built differently, and their team is built around the running attack. So you're going to see Nick Chubb, you're going to see Kareem Hunt be more involved than the running attack for Arizona was, especially, I mean, in the first half. The Arizona, they, they ran out the clock in the second half. They played their four-minute offense pretty much the entire time. So that's why I saw Drake's volume start to really tick up in that second half. And in the first half, it was all Kyler Murray. Well, as we discovered against Cincinnati, Cleveland, in order for them to win games, has to be all about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And it doesn't really matter who they're playing. Cincinnati is even a less talented team, arguably speaking, than Washington, or at least on the same level, on the same mediocre level. Even in that even in that kind of a matchup, they are still going to go with the rushing attack as their big weapon. So Chubb, Hunt, must plays. OBJ, that's where things get a little bit more interesting. I told everybody last week, sell high. This offense isn't built around Baker Mayfield. It's not built for Baker Mayfield. It's not built for the passing attack. OBJ is a matchup-dependent Low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. He still has the big playability. He still just needs that one play to go to the right spot at the right time for him to be able to convert. I still truly believe that. I don't think the talent has left him. But he's not going to get the consistent volume that you need. And then even to a lesser degree, Jarvis Landry, who has been probably one of the most dependable fantasy wide receivers over the past few years because this guy always finds a way to produce. Was it big? Was it flashy? No, it never was. But he always found a way to get you wide receiver two numbers. There's not enough volume. And if their main attack in the passing game when they do throw the ball is make sure we get OBJ the ball, first and foremost, well, Jarvis Landry becomes somebody who can be on your team, can be on your bench, but he's going to be game script dependent. So he's definitely not a must play for us because I don't see why Washington's going to be able to put the pressure on Cleveland in this game to force them to have to throw the ball more than they want to. So this isn't going to be a matchup in which should game script for more targets for Jarvis Landry or even more targets for OBJ. I mean, OBJ comes in as wide receiver 29 for us for the week. Squarely a wide receiver three. 
it's not a bad matchup. I mean, Washington secondary doesn't scare you, but the volume of Cleveland does. And it probably should go without saying that that also means that we're not playing Baker Mayfield. He's not a streaming option for us and probably never will be at any point this season. So we're going to move on. Thankfully, though, I will say that's one of the few games that doesn't really have much injury news, and especially coming out from last week. That's kind of a plus to see, especially from a fantasy perspective. But we move on here. We go to Tennessee. We go to Minnesota. Let's start off with the Minnesota Vikings side of the ball. Let's start off with a team that looks completely lost with a quarterback who is most overpaid quarterback in the NFL. I, I who, who else is a more overrated than Kirk Cousins right now, especially with the contract that he has? I mean, he's got, he had more guaranteed, until Patrick Mahomes' deal, he had more guaranteed money than anybody, than any quarterback. Absolutely ridiculous. And he played horrendous against a not very good Colts defense. A Colts defense that lost Malik Hooker early in that game. So from a fantasy perspective, Adam Thielen might get left out to be drowned. And he was one of my guys coming into the season who was a fantasy bust for me. He was in my top five fantasy bus wide receivers because I was worried, kind of like Cleveland, I was worried about the volume of this offense. Remember last year, they only threw the ball 463 times. That's not a lot of volume. And even though Thielen was hurt last year, you just look at Stephon Diggs. How, how frustrating was it to watch Stephon Diggs from a fantasy perspective be as inconsistent as he was when he had a stretch about four or five games with no Adam Thielen? Because that's how low the passing volume was. Now, so far through two weeks, it hasn't been because of the rushing attack, which is what the case was last year, why the passing volume is so low. It's because Minnesota never has the ball. Through two weeks, they've been completely dominated in a time of possession. Which is also killing Dalvin Cook's touches. Now, the good thing for Dalvin Cook owners is that he's so good, he finds a way to get in the end zone anyway. That's why he's an RB1. He had 14 touches in week one. He had, or I'm sorry, 14 carries in week one, 12 carries in week two, and he still finds a way to put up top 10 performances. That's just how good he is. And better days are ahead as far as the carries go. I do believe Minnesota will eventually get this figured out. They have a good coaching staff. Mike Zimmer, Gary Kubiak, these guys know what they're doing. They're going to make adjustments. Kirk Cousins is streaky. We know this. He'll have games where he looks like he doesn't belong in the NFL, and then he'll go on a stretch where he catches fire and he's playing amongst one of the top guys. And I I don't know. I don't think this is going to be any different. The one thing I will say is that Minnesota has to involve another wide receiver outside of Adam Thielen. Somebody else has to get featured. Somebody else has to be a hot read to make the game easier on Kirk Cousins. And it doesn't necessarily need to be Justin Jefferson, even though it should be because they spent the first round pick on him. But that could just be as simple as let's run some more screens of Dalvin Cook. Let's make some easy plays to our playmakers in open field. I think that amongst everything has been the most shocking to me. This is a team that was built on the screen game and play action off their run game last year. They haven't run any screens yet to Dalvin. And once they start doing that, on top of the fact that Dalvin's going to get more than 12 and 14 carries moving forward in most games, well, Dalvin will be right up there with Kamara and Zeke for competing for that RB1 spot. Now, there's no Christian McCaffrey, no Saquon Barkley. So I think better days are ahead for, for Cook. I think Adam Thielen is somebody who's going to be 
game script. And what I mean by game script, I don't mean in a game in which Minnesota has to come back from behind or they're having a high scoring contest because that defense is not going to be the same defense that it has been for the past years. They have lost too many guys to off season. They lost too many guys to injury already. Anthony Barr, now the latest victim. We don't know when he's coming back. So they're going to have games where they're going to be in shootout situations. But even then, it's more about game script as far as, are you going to have the football at least half the time? That's what the game script has become for them. That's what needs to go for Adam Thielen. They need to have the actual football. That hasn't happened. I don't know if it happens this week. What's the one thing Tennessee wants to do? They want to run the ball. Derrick Henry, his efficiency woes. If you have Derrick Henry and you've been worried because you had 31 carries week one and 25 carries in week two, and you've been getting less than four yards a carry, guess what? Pony up. You're getting five yards a carry this game. Minnesota doesn't have anybody to stop the run. They have nothing in that front seven now. Their best bet is bringing Smith down into the box. Henry's going to have a huge game this week. I know a lot of people who picked up Henry in DFS, who, who own him in redraft leagues, were really disappointed last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars when he didn't have a huge game, a team he historically will torch. I think all that production you were hoping for last week, you're going to get it this week. I'm uh, just double-checking it right now, but I have Derrick Henry in the top 10. I have him actually at number 8. I'm looking at it now. I, that might be too low. He probably belongs in the top 5. Now, there are a lot of good running backs with good matchups, and that's why he falls at eight for me, but it's not going to surprise me if this guy finishes in top five. Ryan Tannehill is a must-stream quarterback, more so than Gardner Minshew. So if you were listening earlier and you were like, oh, I'll pick up Gardner Minshew. No, 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 no. If Ryan Tannehill's still out there, which there's actually quite a f- more leagues than I thought there was going to be because I, th- I believe the number was about 42% owned, meaning he's 58% available on average at the major platforms. We have him as QB7 this week. You saw it last week. Even without A.J. Brown, this offense is just tailor-made for Ryan Tannehill. He can just play within himself. He doesn't have to do too much to throw multiple touchdowns. It's a great matchup against Minnesota. They're probably not going to have A.J. Brown this week. Comments he made yesterday really kind of suggest that he wants to... Verbatim, he said he wants to take take it slow, but it kind of suggests that it might be a few more weeks before we see A.J. Brown again. It doesn't matter. You have Janu Smith. Corey Davis is all of a sudden the thing. Janu Smith comes in a top five tight end for us. Corey Davis, I'm so hesitant to tell people to trust him. We've seen this before. Now, right now, if there's no A.J. Brown, he has a guaranteed target work share. That kind of goes his way. And if he keeps having these plus matchups... He's somebody who at least is a wide receiver for who can be considered in your flex. I don't love it because we've seen Corey Davis disappear in the past. But for this particular matchup, no A.J. Brown. Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys are going to get the majority of the targets when it comes to the wide receiver position. Now, I'm not playing Adam Humphreys unless I'm in a full-point PPR league and I'm in a deeper league and I'm desperate. But Corey Davis is somebody who probably needs to be considered in your flex this week in half-point, full-point PPR leagues, especially, especially against Minnesota. So we'll move on. We got the Patriots. Or excuse me. Yeah, we got the Patriots. We got the Raiders. Raiders coming off that Monday night victory, that surprise victory against the Saints. Showing up big. 
I love Josh Jacobs in this game. He's he's one of the reasons why Derrick Henry came in at number eight because we have Josh Jacobs in number five. Big game gets the Saints, which have a much better run defense than the Patriots do right now with no with no Dante Hightower. Chris Carson just had a really great game against them, and that was with five passing touchdowns in their passing attack. So they weren't even necessarily leaning on Chris Carson. Josh Jacobs had 27 carries last week. He got a little bit banged up towards the end, but it sounds like he should be okay. So fire up Josh Jacobs with all the confidence in the world. He's going to be an RB1. The question I think becomes, can you start Henry Ruggs? My answer to that from a fantasy perspective is no. Henry Ruggs is still making a bigger impact on the field from an NFL standpoint, but he's not quite at the point where he's making a big impact from a fantasy standpoint. And in this matchup, He's going to see Stephon Gilmore a fair share of times. I know that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both just had really good games, but they're both better wide receivers than Henry Ruggs is right now. And I can guarantee you Stephon Gilmore and that secondary and company took that to heart last week because they're not used to giving up big plays like that. So outside of Darren Waller, I don't think there's a pass catcher on the Raiders that I can really trust this week. Now, when it comes to Darren Waller, he's a top 10 tight end. You're starting him every single week. It doesn't really matter who he's playing. But again, with the Patriots not having Patrick Chung, with them not having Hightower, they're, they're, they're a team that's susceptible to the tight end right now, especially if your team that utilizes it. So I expect Darren Waller to have a really strong game. I have him at tight end seven this week. Do not play Derek Carr. I know he had a big game against... The Saints and everyone's like, oh, Derek Carr enters streaming territory. No, absolutely not. This is still a guy who's captain check down. That's still what he wants to be. And in a matchup in which I don't think Henry Ruggs is going to break free as often, or at least it's not as probable to do so, I'm not taking my shot on Derek Carr going for 300 yards this game. It's not going to happen. So on the Patriots side of the ball, it's pretty simplified. It's a great matchup. But Cam Newton, obviously, playing him. With the way they've been running him, he is the goal line back. So getting those rushing touchdowns and last week showing us that he still has the arm. And if it means that he has to throw the ball to Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry a hundred times the piece to move the ball through the air, then that's what he's going to do. And against the Raiders, that's not going to be a difficult task. This is not a secondary that scares you. They might not even have Jonathan Abram this week because of the shoulder injury. So Julian Edelman, fire him up. He is a wide receiver two for us this week and a high floor wide receiver two at that. Nikhil Harry is somebody who comes in as a low end wide receiver three, wide receiver four, a guy that you can play in the flex who has a nice matchup, has a little more upside than he normally would. I still don't like the fact that this guy hasn't been getting much separation, but because the Patriots don't have anybody to throw the ball to outside of Julian Edelman, Cam is forcing the ball his way. And the one thing about Harry is that he has that ability to win those 50-50 carries, to win those 50-50 decisions. So I kind of like him as a nice little play this week, and he might even wind up being in my DFS league, which is actually, I didn't talk about this yet, but this is actually another show that's going to be on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Saturday nights, 9.30 to 10.30, DC's DFS Challenge with my co-host, Chris Pinto. We're going to be on here as well, too. So make sure you're downloading the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android or WWSNR or sorry, WWSRN on iOS. 
So we can go ahead and check that out. That's a big one. We we do a lot of sports betting for the second half of that show. We share our DFS lineups in the first half of that show. That that show is designed to win you money every single week. So definitely go ahead and check that out when we when we come back on Saturday. But Nikhil Harry is somebody I'm probably going to talk about on that show. We're going to go over San Francisco 49ers. We're going to go over the New York Giants. The JV game of the week. Probably not going to have Jimmy Garoppolo. Probably not going to have George Kittle because of the condition of MetLife Stadium. How is an NFL stadium at this day and age, especially one that spent billions of dollars to build, have such poor quality on the field that a team is actually going to elect to bench their superstar player in a game in which they need to have him out there because of the conditions of the field. How pathetic is that? It's ridiculous. Never heard anything like it. So we're probably not going to see George Kittle this week. We're not going to see Raheem Mostert. We're not going to see Tevin Coleman. It's going to be Nick Mullins, Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, and Brandon Ayuk making his second start as a rookie. And, of course, the ageless, the new ageless wonder, step aside, Frank Gore, the new ageless wonder, Jordan Reed at the tight end position with the two touchdowns that he was able to bring in. It's absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. You can play Jordan Reed as a streamer. He's going to probably be the number one target again. He's going to be the red zone target. This is a team that's going to be hurting in every capacity. Guys by default are going to have to get the ball. This is not a good Giants defense. So Jordan Reed, is going, it's going to be a second week where you can stream him. Look it up. I got him at wide receiver 23. It's probably too low, but there's a lot. Of, like I said, there's a lot of good streaming tight ends this week. But he's somebody you can look at DFS-wise as well. Jarek McKinnon is my running back to own. I talked about this in the waiver wire report. Jarek McKinnon is the running back to own for San Francisco. I understand that Jeff Wilson Jr. is probably going to be the goal line guy, but McKinnon has shown through the first two weeks that he has his speed burst, that he can be a big play threat. And I think he's at least going to split the carries with Jeff Wilson between the 20s, and he's going to be the guy catching the ball out of the backfield. And as I just listed out for you, with the lack of targets, with the lack of weapons, He's going to have to get utilized in that capacity. He might be the team's best playmaker right now. And it's a matchup against the Giants, and that can be had. So Jarek McKinnon, to me, he is a, at least a high-end flex play, a must-play, but he comes in as an RB2 for us on the week. He needs to be in your starting lineup. If you're in 12-man leagues, he's actually an RB1 for you this week for us because he's, he's running back 12. His big playmaking ability, the matchup, the volume, it's all lining up perfectly, at least for this week. Now, we'll see what happens when Raheem Mostert comes back, if that's going to be a couple weeks away. It sounds like Tevin Coleman's more like four to six weeks away. So he'll continue to have a role, which is why I said he was actually my pickup over Mike Davis, because even for the season long, he'll have a role. Where With Mike Davis's case, as soon as Christian McCaffrey comes back, that's it. But I love him for this week. He's going to be a game winner this week. But that's all you're playing on the 49ers side of the ball. Jeff Wilson, like I said, goal line guy, you want to play him because you need a flex play and you're hoping for a guy who can fall in the end zone. He could be an option for you there. But man, I got to think there's better options for you. And then for the Giants, 
They lose Saquon. They bring in Devonta Freeman. No, if anybody's telling you they know for sure what Freeman's role is going to be this week, they're lying to you. They are absolutely 100% lying to you. They have no idea. They have no clue. As far as the beat writers are concerned, the consensus on them is that it's more likely to be Deion Lewis's backfield. But even then, we know Deion Lewis isn't a guy who can carry the ball 15 times a game. Plus, he might be more involved in the passing game, which is where he becomes interesting from a half point and full point PPR standpoint. But this Giants team is going to turn to a pass first team. They're going to turn to more of a down the field pass first team. Now, they don't have Sterling Shepard. He went on IR. He's out for at least three weeks. But Darius Slayton, this is going to be his time to shine. This is a vulnerable 49ers defense, especially in the secondary with no Richard Sherman. He's played really well. He had a big game against Pittsburgh, who I think has a better defense. He has a chance to break out. He leads the way in air yards. He's the guy they want to go to. Daniel Jones likes to push the ball down the field. He's their biggest weapon right now, period. Darius Slayton's a, believe it or not, even in a matchup against the San Francisco 49ers, is a must-play for me this week. He's going to see eight targets. And Darius Slayton, with his big play capability, seeing eight targets against a secondary that is vulnerable at the moment, is somebody that you have to have in your lineups. Golden Tate, eh. Look, if you need a wide receiver four, a guy who's probably going to get six or seven targets in this game, he might get you seven catches for 48 yards but that will still give you a nice floor in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. If you're a standard league, I'm not touching them. Evan Ingram is a must-play tight end. I know it hasn't been pretty, but he did lead the way for them as far as target share goes last week. And he's going to get better as things progress. And because now, without Saquon Barkley, I think this team is going to be a pretty heavy volume passing attack. That's going to be extra workload for all the pass catchers involved. That'll help Ingram, and he'll start getting utilized more in the red zone, I believe, too, if the Giants don't feel like they can run the ball when they get down there, which they might not, at least, especially not for the first week or two. We'll see what happens if Freeman gets himself involved, if he can take over that role and become effective in that situation. But for now, you got to question it. For now, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. So we move on to the Bengals. We move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll start on the Bengals side of the ball. Is Joe Burrow a streamer against a pretty good defense against the Philadelphia Eagles? The answer to that is unequivocally yes. Comes in number 10 for us on the week. So we have him as a low-end QB1. What they showed us against Cleveland was a pretty decent defense in their own right. But what they showed us against Cleveland is that they're ready to just turn the ball loose. They're ready to just turn it over to Joe Burrow. He threw the ball 61 times in that game. Now, he's not going to do that against the Philadelphia Eagles, and they do have a pretty good secondary. I don't love A.J. Green. But they are ready to make this Joe Burrow's offense now. That's going to be the case because he is a guy who can get you a good amount of fantasy points with his legs. Because that's what people are always trying to discount about Joe Burrow, especially when talking about the fantasy football purpose. They forget how athletic this guy is. They forget how explosive he is. He has a floor that not a lot of quarterbacks have. Not a lot of people realize that he has. So that's why I love Joe Burrow. And he comes in as QB 10, even in a a competent, more difficult matchup, actually. The volume's clear is going to be there. Because the other thing about the Philadelphia Eagles is that he can't run on them. 
I don't love this game for Joe Mixon. Now, I don't think you're going to have a better option. You're going to have to play him. He comes in. I believe he comes in as an RB3 for us on the week. He does. At 30, exactly. Eagles are just a tough team to run the ball on, and this Bengals offensive line doesn't help matters in any capacity, but that also goes to, I believe, Joe Burrow is going to have to throw the ball a lot in this game. That's why I think he's going to have a safe floor to be able to go to. Now, like I said, I don't love A.J. Green. He's going to be shadowed by Darius Slay this entire matchup. And even though he's led the way in targets and he leads the league in air yards, it's, a, it's just going to be a tough matchup. And he hasn't been very efficient with those targets. I don't know how all of a sudden his efficiency rises to the level that you need it to be against one of the top corners in the league. You may not have a better option because unfortunately we're just dealing with so many injuries and I feel like I keep saying that over and over again, but it's kind of the truth. But if you, if you can find something better than AJ green, he's going to have a low floor this week. And it's not something you want to get stuck on unless he finds a way to get, make a big play. And he, I still believe he has the capacity to do that, but he's going to need to make a big play. I think to be fantasy relevant. Otherwise it's not going to be pretty. But Tyler Boyd's the guy I kind of like. Again, like last week when we went into it, I talked about I didn't like Robert Woods, but I thought Cooper Cup could have a nice game. And he didn't have a great game, but he still had a nice high floor for you. Still came in with 80 yards. I think that could be Tyler Boyd this week. Him I would play. Him I would have as a wide receiver three, as a flex guy for this week. He's going to, first of all, he's not going to see Darius Slay. So that's number one. But number two, he's going to have, I believe, more volume than A.J. Green this week. He's going to have the better matchups. He's going to be the guy who's going to be open over the middle field underneath. He's going to be the guy that I think Joe Burrow is going to turn to to move the chains when Green's getting blanketed. It also goes to, you know, Drew Sample. If Burrow's proven anything over the first two weeks is that he's bringing over what he did in college. He loves targeting the tight end. And we just saw Tyler Higby go for three touchdowns. So this isn't an Eagles defense. That's the one area of the field that you can pretty much attack them is with the tight end. And Drew Sample has legitimate athletic ability. Drew Sample comes in as tight end eight for us on the week. We have Drew Sample as a tight end one, meaning that he is our top streamer at the tight end position this week. Our number one guy, number, number one streamer, number eight tight end on the week. The volume should be there. The score should be there. That's the one area of this Eagles defense so far through the first two weeks that's really shown a weakness, an Achilles heel. So Sample should be in line for a pretty good game. I can't believe it either. This is going to be, Drew Sample might turn into just like, kind of like James Robinson. He might turn into the pickup of the year too. If this, if this keeps going, if this volume in this passing game continues throughout the year. Now on the Philadelphia Eagles side of the ball here, what do you do with Carson Wentz? I think you have to play him against the Bengals because if you can't play Carson Wentz against the Bengals, who are you going to play him against the rest of the season? It hasn't been pretty. Hopefully things get better when Alshon Jeffrey comes back. And we, I mean, we still don't have him as a must-start in this game. We have him at QB 16. But I think if you have Carson Wentz, you drafted him so you wouldn't have to stream at the quarterback position. So therefore, I think you kind of have to play him. Because when are you going to get a better matchup? Because this Bengals defense. When's, when's that going to happen? Washington has better defense than they do. When's it going to happen? So I think you have to start him this week if you drafted him. If he flops, well, guess what? Carson Wentz is going to be welcome to Flushtown. For those of you who don't know, Flushtown is when you, you know, this is this show's way of saying this is when you drop a player. So he'll be welcome to Flushtown if he cannot perform against the Bengals. 
And that kind of leads to Deshaun Jackson. It's kind of a similar situation. If Deshaun Jackson can't perform against the Bengals with no Jalen Rager because he's going to be out. There were some actually conflicts on exactly what his timeline was going to be. He is on the IR, so he's definitely out for at least three weeks. But there was some talk about, is it six to eight? Is it four to six? As of right now, what we know for sure is that he's definitely out for the next three weeks. So no Jalen Rager. Greg Ward, who's just a guy. Arcega Whiteside, who's a bust. It's Deshaun Jackson. He's the big play threat. He's going to be out there for a significant amount of the snaps, which is something that really hasn't been the case the first two weeks. He still looks explosive to me. I don't think Deshaun Jackson's lost a step from what I could see on tape. So I don't see why he wouldn't get involved. So I do like Deshaun Jackson as a wide receiver three play this week. You can go ahead and fire him up in your lineups. Play Zach Ertz, play Dallas Goddard. Goddard will continue to be a must play at the tight end position for me until Alshon Jeffrey comes back. And then we'll have to reevaluate because then we're going to have Jeffrey. Who's more of a target. Who's more of a red zone target going to get more involved. Dallas Goddard may not see as many opportunities when Jeffrey comes back. I talked about this before. I think he might wind up being kind of the odd man out in that scenario. We'll see what happens, but until that happens, you can play Ertz and you can play Dallas Goddard as tight end ones. Just out of pure necessity. I skipped over Miles Sanders because obviously in this matchup with the workload that he got last week, he's obviously 100% healthy coming off the hamstring. He is an RB1 heading into this week. He's our RB6 actually on the week. So Miles Sanders, no-brainer, fire him up. We're going to move on for our last game of this show. Then we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side for a quick mailbag segment. But our last game for this show, the last early window game, is the Houston Texans, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Watson is not a must play. Now, here's the thing about Deshaun Watson that you owners out there need, need to keep in mind because I know a lot of people are panicking on him after the start that he's had to this season, and a lot of people might be selling him low. Do not. Hold tight. If you have to go stream a quarterback, if you have to go pick up a Ryan Tannehill or a Gardner Minshew, do what you got to do. You got to pick up a Joe Burrow. Do what you got to do. I don't love him this week. He comes in my QB 18 for this week. This Pittsburgh defense is going to have a field day against that Houston offensive line. But stay pat, because after this week, Houston has a great schedule. Great schedule. And remember last year, Deshaun Watson started off slow. He still finished as the QB4 on the year by the end of the season because they picked it up as they went along. I know they don't have DeAndre Hopkins, but Will Fuller is healthy. He practiced today. He's good to go. So that hamstring issue that he was dealing with last Sunday is not expected to be a factor in this Sunday. So he's going to have Will Fuller, hopefully, moving forward. And he's going to have Brandon Cooks, who got more involved in the offense last week, coming off the calf injury where he was pretty limited in that Kansas City game in week one. He got more involved last week. As that continues to go with the matchups they have moving forward, I love Deshaun Watson as a QB1 moving forward. So if he's somebody that you can buy low on, which should be very possible at the moment, I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. Because he's about to blow up. It's not going to happen this week, but it's going to happen starting week four. So that also, you know, is anybody somebody I want to play? No. Do I want to play Will Fuller in this game? Not unless I have to. Do I want to play Brandon Cooks in this game? Again, not unless I have to. Jordan Atkins is a low-end streaming option. I think you have a lot of other options you can go to the tight end position. David Johnson is the only player from the Houston Texans who I feel like you kind of have to wind up playing. And again, I don't love it. Again, I don't have him ranked very high. 
But Duke Johnson's still limited. We still don't know if he's going to be able to play this week. And David Johnson, from a physical standpoint, has been fine. He doesn't look like the David Johnson from two, three years ago, but he does look like the David Johnson who can do what he needs to do in the meantime to stay out on the field and be able to get the job done. And it's not a good matchup against Pittsburgh, but if he's going to get the receptions, if he's going to get the carries, and I think he's going to get more receptions this week because I think Deshaun Watson's going to be forced into dumping the ball down and forced to getting the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker against the Steelers' defense. I don't know how you have a better option than David Johnson right now. It's a low-end RB2, and it ain't going to be pretty. He comes as RB22 for us on the week. But volume-wise, situation-wise, I don't think you have a better option. I think you have to play David Johnson, but he's the only Houston Texan that I feel like I have to play this particular week. On the Steelers' side of the ball, this is James Conner's backfield. That was proven last week. It was coming in, we're like, oh, was it going to be a split between Connor and Snell? Well, if there was going to be the split, it got negated the second Benny Snell fumbled. And then it was all over. It was all James Connor's backfield after that. And he looked healthy. I think that's the most, if you were a James Connor owner and you were nervous because he already had an ankle injury after that week one, he looked completely healthy to me in week two. He didn't look hindered by anything at all. And while he made it look pretty easy, that's actually not a bad run defense up there in Denver that he just had a really good showing against. This is a great matchup against Houston. And in a week in which we are scrounging for running backs, James Conner comes in as a high-end RB2 for us as RB13 on the week. So he's a must-play. Ben Roethlisberger is a must-play. They're throwing the ball a ton. For a guy who's coming back off the elbow who, you know, as old as Rosberger is, they're throwing the ball a ton. Another great matchup. We have him QB 13 in the week. He's another streaming quarterback that you can go to. You know what we also have? Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson. Must plays. Must plays this week as well. Deontay Johnson, I was so glad to see him do well last week after everybody was giving him so much crap at that Monday night game. I'm like, it was a muff punt. What does that have to do with his fantasy value as a wide receiver? Absolutely nothing. And he had a huge week against Denver. The only player I'm not playing when the Steelers comes is, is Eric Ebron at the tight end position. He's just not a part of the offense. He's not in the normal rotation. In a matchup like this where everyone's going to get the opportunity to eat, He's just going to be too low in the totem pole to be able to have him as a streaming option at the tight end position. And of course, Pittsburgh's defense, my number one defense on the week. I think that probably goes without saying as well. So what we're going to do now is that we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to finish up the show with the mailbag segment. And I'll tell you how to be able to get on the mailbag segment for future episodes right after this. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back. So we're going to go into the mailbag segment. Before we do that, though, I want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. If you want the best performance for your nether regions, Manscaped is the place for you. They have all the ball care you could ever need, like high-quality trimmers for unwanted hair or ball toner. That will leave you smelling fresh all day long. So go to manscaped.com and use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off of your purchase. Your balls will thank you. And we're back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, for my very first show here. 
and we're going to get better. We're going to get more excited. We're going to get a lot more entertaining and we're going to keep bringing you most importantly, the best fantasy content out there. And one of the ways we like to do that is to get interacting with you guys. I want to know what's your questions. What are you struggling with with your fantasy lineups? And that's what the mailbag segment is all about. Now I got three questions. I pulled out here. We're going to go over before we close out the show. I do want to let you guys know, though, that there are multiple ways you can get on the mailbag segment. First, the first and easiest way is contacting me on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow for Twitter or Facebook. You can email the show, MDSFantasyFootball at gmail.com, or you can call the MD Nation hotline at any time, day or night, 609-362-2480. You can leave your voicemail for your comment, your rant, your concern, your question, whatever the case may be. And we will talk about it on the air and we'll get you on there. And I will always answer anybody who tries to contact me for their fantasy football needs. So let's get into it. We got Steve from Facebook. He hit me up. He was asking about a trade involving John Brown and Corey Davis. That's what he would be giving up for AJ Green and Benny Snell. He is the James Conner owner. This is a full point PPR league. I would say this deal makes sense because you are the James Conner owner. If I'm a James Conner owner, I definitely want to make sure that I have Benny Snell because we know that at any given play, at any given moment, James Conner is going to go down to injury and it's inevitable throughout this season. And then combine that with the fact that, guess what? John Brown and Corey Davis aren't as valuable as A.J. Green moving forward as wide receivers. I know that they've had bigger games. But if A.J. Green continues to get the volume that he's been getting, continues to get the air yards that he's been getting, and an offense that continues to have the volume that they've been putting out there. Well, AJ Green has better days ahead. He was definitely somebody who I felt was a buy low candidate heading into this week. 100% Steve, go and trade John Brown and Corey Davis for AJ Green and Benny Snell. That makes a lot of sense for your team and your makeup and the value that you are getting in return. Now we have Sam from Twitter. She asked me, rest of season, half point PPR, James White, Michael Pittman, or Jamison Crowder, who do you value more? The answer, hands down, would be Jamison Crowder. Now, he's probably not going to play again this week. Uh, I think Adam Gase came out earlier today and said that he is really doubtful that Jamison Crowder will be able to go. But for the rest of the season we're talking about here with this question in a half-point PPR league, the Jets have shown they don't have anybody to move the ball with. Chris Herndon is not a thing. And we're going to talk about that game tomorrow. But Chris, with Chris Herndon not being a thing, they're going to need Jameson Crowder back in order to get the ball moving again. Brashad Perryman is a bum. Uh, Chris Hogan is a journeyman. It's all day, every day, Jameson Crowder when he's back in that lineup. He's going to see double-digit targets every single week. It doesn't matter the matchup. It doesn't matter the game script. Crowder's going to have a safe... He's going to have those big performances like he did in week one. No. But does he have a really high floor due to volume? Absolutely. Especially when you're talking about half-point, full-point PPR leagues. So if you need to decide, is James the Crowder for me? Gonzalez on Twitter, he asked me, Big Ben or Aaron Rodgers? I assume he's asking for this particular week. Now, again, the Packers game is a game that we're going to go over in tomorrow's show because tomorrow we're going to be going over the later window of games for week three. That'll be, you know, the four o'clock games on the East Coast, Sunday night, and the Monday night game. So I'll be involved in that. But as far as Big Ben or Aaron Rodgers this particular week, I think you have to go Big Ben, right? Rodgers might have Devontae Adams. Maybe. But with Big Ben and the volume that he's been throwing with against that Houston Texans defense, and the Packers showing that 
Aaron Jones is still the guy for some people who were still concerned about that when they drafted AJ Dillon, was that still going to be a thing? He is. And if Adams is even out there, if he's hindered in any capacity, this might turn into Aaron Jones's game again. So I would say big Ben, I think he's going to have more volume. I think the game that we saw week one with Aaron Rodgers, I don't think that's what the Green Bay offense is really truly going to be. I don't think it's going to be a pass first team. I think it's going to be a more balanced approach. So between the matchup, the volume, the weapons, big Ben, it's close. It's very close because if Adams is healthy, Rodgers can put up numbers with the rest of them. So it's close, but I would lean a little bit towards big Ben just because of, I think at the end of the day, what's the safer floor? Cause I know what kind of volume he's going to put out there. That's it. That's going to kind of wrap up the show. I do. I, I wanted to leave an extra few minutes to close out the show. Cause again, I want to give a big thank you to Errol Marks. I want to big, a big thank you to Mike Brown. Mark's, of course, here of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Mike Brown of the Belly Up Sports Network for coming together and making this show on this network, on this time slot possible. We're going to be back tomorrow, Friday, from 12 to 1.30, same time, same place. We're going to give you all the updated injuries heading into the weekend so you guys know exactly where your fantasy players stand. We are going to go over, like I said, the late window games the late afternoon games, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game. We're going to have another mailbag segment for you guys in that show. So again, make sure you contact us. MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480. You can contact us on social media at bellyupmdffshow. Or you can email us, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, though, because we do those player news update notifications for you. We're always making sure that you guys have the best and fastest information, or at least as fast as we can get it out there. So those are all things that are coming down the pipe for you guys. Very excited to be here. Oh, and don't forget our show Saturday night, 930 to 1030 DC's DFS challenge. We're going to win you some money. We're going to talk about our DraftKings lineups. We're going to talk about our FanDuel lineups. We're going to talk about our favorite bets to make for week three on Sunday. We have a special guest, Chaz Flaherty from Sports Betting Weekly, who's going to come on and give us some of his pro tips, the way he likes to bet and some things that he's looking at that are maybe more than just the line. So all of that is coming really soon to you guys. And I'm just very excited to be here and moving forward. So everybody take care, stay healthy, enjoy tonight's game. And we'll be talking to you tomorrow at 12 o'clock on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Hi, um, I'd like to report a bear hug. Uh-huh, okay. Well, we were building a bonfire, and I, I saw some, like, dry brush and leaves around, so, you know, I, I said to move the bonfire somewhere else, and out of nowhere, Smokey Bear shows up and hugs me. So you noticed some wildfire hazards and moved your bonfire to a safer location. Yeah. Yeah, that's Smokey, all right. He likes when people help prevent wildfires. It hits him close to home. Not everybody gets the hug, my friend. So that's pretty special to get a hug from Smokey Bear. Huh, so it was him. Hey, guys, I told you it was Smokey. Okay, well, congratulations, my friend. And thanks for calling. There are many ways to prevent a wildfire. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service, Ad Council, and your state forester. Hope you enjoyed your meal. 
And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a 